the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Amin Tais. We have seen in a previous episode that the Quran was originally an oral discourse. An oral message that Muhammad recited to his followers in bits and pieces as divine revelations tied to specific situations in the life of a forming community. According to the Islamic tradition, a number of the companions of Muhammad memorized the verses and some of these verses were put into writing uh, on rudimentary materials. Of course, we are centuries away from the production of paper. So, uh, parchments of animal skin and uh, palm branches, among other things, are said to be the materials on which some of these verses were written. But if this was the case, these written records would have merely functioned as what we call mnemonic devices, which means that they were memory helpers in a mostly oral culture. The reports that stem from the later Islamic tradition are contradictory on the details of the transition from this oral Qur'an to a written one. Let's highlight some of the content of these reports. We have reports of early disagreement among the followers of Muhammad as to whether it was appropriate to collect the verses into a volume. Muhammad died in 632, without apparently collecting the verses or asking anyone to do so. As a result, we are told that Abu Bakr, who dies in 634, and who became the leader of the young community after Muhammad's death, rejected the idea of collecting the verses into a mushaf or a codex. He argued that if that was the will of Muhammad, he would have initiated it. But we are also told that another companion of Muhammad, by the name of Omar ibn al-Khattab, who dies in 644, would convince Abu Bakr that it was necessary to have a codex in order to safeguard the Qur'an, particularly with the death in battle of many uh, memorizers of the verses. And so a collection process occurred and the codex was then kept with the first caliph or leader of the community, Abu Bakr, then passed down to the second caliph, Omar, then down to his daughter, Hafsa, who was also one of Muhammad's widows. But the major step in the process in many accounts of the later Islamic tradition occurred at the time of the third caliph, Uthman ibn Affan, who dies in 656. By this time, as we will discuss in more detail in a future episode, 
the geographical domain controlled by the Arab armies had grown so much through conquest that Uthman apparently hears of disagreements over Quranic recitation in various corners of the forming empire. As a result, Uthman decides to make an official copy of the Mus'haf or Codex of the Quran. He appoints a committee led by one of the scribes of Muhammad named Zayd ibn Thabith to uh, make an official uh, copy uh, based on Hafsa's codex and to make additional copies to be sent to the various centers of the empire and various garrison cities. He also ordered all other existing codices burnt and replaced by the official version. Interestingly, we also have some reports of dissent, including from a major companion of Muhammad named Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who dies in 653, who had his own codex and who refused to get rid of it. It seems that ibn Mas'ud's Codex might not have included the first chapter or Surat Al-Fatiha of the Uthmanic Codex. And on a similar note, another codex by uh, Ubayy ibn Kab, who dies in 649, might have included two short chapters uh, or suwar not included in the Uthmanic Codex. Ultimately, the Uthmanic Codex or recension Al-Mus'haf Al-Uthmani would become the authoritative Quranic text. Although a number of vocalized readings would be accepted as valid. These are Al-Qira'at or the readings. In the modern world, with the introduction of printing, one particular reading, the so-called Hafs reading, would become dominant all over the Muslim world, with the exception of the western side of North Africa, uh, which still uses the so-called Warsh reading, although uh, modern tools of communication like the internet and satellite television are uh, threatening uh, to the long-term prospects of this exception. It is worth uh, noting that at the time of the Uthmanic recension, the Arabic script was still very rudimentary, with the absence not only of vowelling, meaning signs indica- indicating the sounds a, u, e, or the longer a, u, e, but also the absence of dots uh, that would differentiate some letters from others. For example, there was no way to differentiate the sounds ba, ta, na, ya, or to differentiate between the sounds ha, kha, ja, etc. It is only half a century later, under the rule of the Umayyad ruler Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, who dies in 705, that the orthography of the Uthmanic Codex was improved. For the modern historian, there are various difficulties that make it hard to understand 
what really occurred in this formative period of the Quranic text. For instance, the reports we have date from at least a century after the events they describe. By the time of these recorded reports, there is already a different environment with different needs and different priorities. In other words, the perspectives of these reports are colored by the biases, beliefs, and thought of those establishing the record. This point is particularly important uh, given that the formative period of what would become Islam is one of intense sectarian and political tensions and clashes. The other difficulty is that the earliest complete copy of the Quran that we possess only dates from the 900s or the 10th century. As a result, modern historians disagree about how to deal with the uh, reports about the formation of the Quran. Some historians accept the general outline of the Islamic tradition about the collection of the Quran. Others argue uh, to different degrees for a longer period of formation of the final version of the Quranic Mus'haf. Much remains to be done uh, in this field of Quranic studies before we have a clearer picture of the early history of the Quranic text. It remains that for the majority of Muslims until today, the dominant belief is that al-Mus'haf al-Uthmani, the Uthmanic recension, is the depository of the words of God as revealed to the Prophet Muhammad and that it is protected from change or corruption by divine will. Orthodox Muslim scholars like to quote on this a Quranic verse that says, We have sent down the reminder and we are protective of it. Now one has to say that it is not clear that this verse actually speaks of the Mus'haf, or the Codex, or of the form of protection that uh, Muslim scholars understand it to be. And one must also say that even if one were to accept the verse as clear, the whole argument remains tautological, meaning the argument is basically this. The text is protected because it says it is protected. However, belief in the sanctity and authenticity of the Mus'haf is a very strong component of how Muslims historically perceived themselves and define their identity and as such uh, must be taken seriously in any attempt to understand the Muslim experience past and present regardless of whether one accepts or rejects the traditional Muslim narrative about the formation of the Quranic text. On this note, I leave you in peace. Assalamu alaikum.